0: So I've been searching for a clean electrolyte company that I love for a really long time, and I just hadn't found anything that I liked, that I enjoyed the taste of, that I felt good about the ingredients, until I found Element. And I actually got a sample from somebody, and I was instantly hooked. They have really good flavors. They're actually tasty. Like, I enjoy drinking them, whereas other brands that I've tried in the past, I really haven't enjoyed. And you can just put them straight into your water, um, and they're so good. So they have salt, magnesium, and potassium potassium in them. And a lot of people don't realize how important electrolytes are for true hydration. A lot of us are chugging water because we're being told that we need more water, but we're not drinking the electrolytes that we need to actually hydrate our bodies. And so Element is a great choice. They also make seasonal chocolate flavors that are really good as like a hot chocolate. And you can put them in your coffee if you want, or just with hot water and like milk or just plain. I like to drink them plain. I love Element. I have at least one pack a day electrolytes are so important, especially for pregnancy and breastfeeding. So if you're lacking your electrolytes, give Element a try. You can use my link, Drink Element. It's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor K. And you will get a free gift with your purchase, which is a sample pack. So you can try all of the flavors. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash Taylor Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today I have an episode that I think so many of you guys will find helpful. We are going to be talking all about sensory overload and overstimulation in parents. So This is when there's too much noise or clutter or touch and you just suddenly feel like you're just overwhelmed. You're dysregulated. You want to scream. You're snapping at your kids. and I think this is a really common problem that parents experience because we live in such a fast-paced Busy, busy world full of so much stimulation. And so, we're going to talk about it. So, today I have Larissa Galaris joining me. She is a licensed and registered occupational therapist specializing in identifying and treating sensory processing dysfunction. She's passionate about supporting parents who are experiencing overstimulation, overwhelm, and dysregulation to help them feel confident and steady in their parenting journey. She shares lots of tips and strategies and tools with us to help us manage our overwhelm. Um, And so, I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. So without further ado, let's get to this conversation. Hi, Larissa. Thank you so much for being here today. Would you mind just quickly introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do for those that don't know you? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It
1: is such a pleasure. Um, I am Larissa. I'm an occupational therapist and I used to work in the pediatric field. That was pretty much where I spent all of my um, clinical time, all of my training. And then a few years ago, I made a shift into supporting parents. And um, part of that was because of some, my own personal experience. Um, I had to, I have two children and I had to learn how to parent them through overstimulation and I had a concussion that really uh, amplified my sensory dysregulation. And so I started realizing that I, as a pediatric sensory-based therapist, had these tools to support myself through these huge sensory challenges of parenthood. And it wasn't that information is not readily available to parents who are feeling overstimulated, who are feeling dysregulated. And the more I started talking about it on Instagram, the more I realized that this really needs to be something that we, one, talk about, and two, empower parents to know that it doesn't have to be such a dysregulating thing. Parenthood is can be dysregulating for sure, but there also are things that we can do to come out of that dysregulation, and that's the piece that really is missing. And that's where I'm really spending the majority of my work is helping parents one come out of those dysregulating moments, and two support themselves ahead of time so that those moments are one less frequent, um, less intense, and so we can really help parents be present in parenthood be steady in parenthood and just enjoy it from um at a much deeper level
0: yeah i i feel like this really is a a common issue and experience that parents have and it can feel really isolating when you're experiencing the what sometimes feels like constant dysregulation and overwhelm and you're mad and you're you're irritable and you're snapping at your kids and sometimes it feels like i'm the only one who does this i'm the only parent who just like can't get it together and, you know, be calm around my kids. But I think that so many parents actually experience this and we just don't realize that other people are experiencing it too. Can you like, okay, so I feel like there's a lot more attention, especially if you're on like social media and Instagram, there's a lot more talk about this sort of thing and attention being given to it, which is great. But I feel like there's all kinds of different like words and terminology. So there's like sensory processing, there's dysregulation, there's overstimulation, there's the highly sensitive person or parent. Can you Mm -hmm. kind of like, go into some of those? Are are there differences between these or like, what, what are we talking about here? What is overstimulation? That is a great question. And you're right. There's a lot
1: of words being thrown out. A lot of them are being used interchangeably, maybe when they shouldn't be. Um, but in general, overstimulation happens when your nervous system is getting more information at one time than it can handle. So what happens with sensory processing is deep down in our in our brainstem, so like the most foundational part of our being, that's where your heart rate is um, regulated, that's where your breath rate is regulated, it's all happening right there, like the most foundational piece. That's where sensory input comes in to the brain and either... It will filter it out and say, you know what? I don't need to pay attention to that. So, like maybe it's the um, the sleeve of my shirt. It's like that's not important for me to pay attention to. Or and so it filters out, and you never even notice it. Or it will send the information up to, into conscious awareness and make you have, make you pay attention to it and make you respond to it. So that's in a nutshell what sensory processing is is um how input is coming into our brain and then what are we doing with it how are we responding to it and so what happens especially as parents is we are getting so much information all at once there's all of the noises that are happening there's all the touch that's happening there are um there's the internal urgency to complete tasks that are not completable, like laundry or dishes. There's all these weird smells coming everywhere. And and you have to try to figure out, is that something I need to deal with? Is that, you know, is that a diaper? Is that mold somewhere? All of it. It's just, there's so much coming. And there's this, and that internal urgency to fix it all too. And so if you take a minute to zoom out and find out, find the common denominator in all of the input that we're getting, it's they're all very alerting. And so what happens, all of these tasks individually are meant to increase our autonomic nervous system arousal, which means like we need to pay attention to it. And so out of at its most foundational level, your sensory system is existing to keep you set to keep you safe. So when you sense something could be dangerous, like maybe you're tripping over something, maybe there's a loud noise, maybe there's light touch, you get this increase in that autonomic nervous system arousal. And, and then you are, um, so so that looks like a quickened heart rate, maybe a small gasp. Sometimes you get like this drop in your gut. And the next thing that should happen is that you process that input realize that it was actually just a toy that was making that noise and you don't need to pay attention to it. Um, And then you relax and return to a parasympathetic nervous system state, which is more that like rested and engaged and able to pay attention state. But when all of these things are happening on top of each other, then you can start to live in this sympathetic state, this close to a fight or flight arousal state where you never get this chance to relax. So then you're more primed to look for cues of danger because your body thinks you're in danger. And so subtle input, like maybe it's just, like I mentioned earlier, maybe it is the sleeve on my shirt that's now starting to be like, wait, maybe I should be paying attention to this. Maybe this is something dangerous. So you can't make sense of all of it at the same time and you become dysregulated.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good kind of summary and overview of all of that. Why do you think or do we know, do we know why, why people experience, like some people experience overwhelm easily. Some people are easily dysregulated, whereas some people are more able to stay calm, even in the midst of stressors and noise and mess and all of that. Is there a reason for that?
1: Yes. And the reason is simple. It's because we are different people and <laughs> we have different nervous systems in our, um, our sensory systems, the need that our sensory systems have are different so some people are more what we call over responsive to sensory input which means it takes less input to get filtered through to conscious awareness and so a typical amount of input like whatever's happening through the day um, can come up into conscious awareness more and it starts to feel overwhelming it can start to feel painful Um, whereas other people have a lower threat a higher threshold for input and so that's what we call under responsive and they need more input to get to that same state so so that's why some people like if you're focusing on if you're working on a project and some people love to go to a busy coffee shop and just kind of like have all of that input that helps kind of get them regulated so they're a little bit more under responsive they need more input to get them to an alert state whereas other people need absolute silence to get work done. So it's really, it's just a difference of your nervous system. There's nothing that is wrong or right about either of them. They're both morally neutral. They're both like, it's just your body responding in a way, um, in the way that it needs. And it could be, um, it could be a result of, trauma, it could be a result of um, of neurodivergence, or it could just be who you are. And it's, I think the most important thing to recognize is that there's nothing wrong with the way that your nervous system is responding and looking at it through that lens of um, what is wrong with me that increases your self-criticism which makes you think like, why can't I handle this noise? Why am I getting so overwhelmed when my baby is is nursing on me and their nails are scratching into me? And Which oh, even just the thought of that makes me cringe because I remember those feelings so deeply. But that self-criticism is another attack on our nervous system. It's literally us saying like, there's something wrong. And so that increases our dysregulation. And so what we need to do is really approach it with self-compassion and say like, it makes sense that my nervous system is reacting in this way because look at everything that's happening. It makes sense. There is nothing wrong. And even just that validation can help bring us out of
0: that. Yeah. For sure. I talk about sensory processing a lot when it comes to kids and babies and especially related to sleep. And I think what's important for people to understand is that we all have nervous systems. It doesn't, you don't have to be a child to be talking about this it's often what people focus on because our kids often need a lot of help and support to regulate their nervous system. Um, And, but like you're talking about being more under responsive versus being more over responsive, needing more input, having like a higher threshold versus a lower threshold. Those things don't stop applying to you when you reach a certain age, like, Even adults, this is true for adults. We all have our little, I call them like sensory quirks, sensory profiles, basically like Mm -hmm. what we need, what we don't need so much of, what we need more of. Um, And so I always think it's just helpful when we're, whether we're talking about children or whether we're talking about adults to just approach it with a sense of compassion and just curiosity about what that individual person needs to help them thrive and to function optimally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so curious your thoughts about this. I have my own ideas, but do you think this, like this overstimulation specifically related to parents being overstimulated, do you think this is a a newer issue? Like in the last, I don't know, some amount of years, 20, 30, 40 years, or have parents been dealing with this kind of thing forever?
1: Well, I've only been a parent for five, right. but <laughs> I do, have, but I do have, um, thoughts on that. So there have always been stressors in parenthood, um, back in the hunting and gathering stage, there were stressors, but those stressors were real. Like you needed to make sure that you weren't going to be chased down by a tiger. Um, but I would imagine that at those times, there were also more, um, more opportunities to release that stress. So if there was a fight or flight, like if there was a true danger, you ran. And so you actually released that energy. Whereas now we are in this constant state of stressor without any release. And so all of it is just getting pent up in our bodies. And then we also have, we can't ignore technology. And, um, the fact that there's so many more things that feel like they need to be happening all at the same time, the mental load is just unbelievable. And with the, our phones dinging all the time when we're trying to make dinner and the stove vent is going and our kid is tapping at us. And it's usually it's my phone dinging. That is the one that sends me over the edge. And it's just like I can't deal with this anymore. I can't do it all by myself. And all of this just kind of comes over, and it's that it's the ding of my phone, and and the urgency then to respond to it. To think like if I don't respond right now, my whoever's calling me is going to think one something's wrong. Two, I don't um, care about them. You know, there's all these this internal dialogue of what happens if I don't pay attention, if I don't respond right away and i think that and on top of that we've been in a pandemic for 3 years now and and that also adds more risk analysis to parenthood and um and so it makes sense that we are living in this more heightened state because everything that we do is a risk analysis like i said so yeah i would imagine that that we are living in a much more overstimulated state now than we were.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Those Those are kind of my thoughts. I think technology plays a huge role in it. Even just being on social media, like having a social media is inherently dysregulating, like scrolling through social media, feeling like you need to respond to every comment and every message. And if you have a business on social media, that's like a whole another conversation. But um, the t- You know, if you, if your kids have screens or tablets or they watch TV, having that noise in the background, it's just so much stuff, the electronic toys, it's, it's a lot. And I also feel like in general, not true for every family, but in general, people, families, children are spending less time outdoors, which yes. nature is regulating and being indoors, I think can be more dysregulating and we're not, we don't have as many opportunities to go outdoors and regulate ourselves and and look and listen to nature. So I do, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that, um, that make that true that we're just, we're more overstimulated, even if we're not really in so much danger, like on a typical day-to-day basis as people used to be. Yeah, it's we're not we don't have the opportunity to to release it. We're just in fight or flight mode all the time, and then we're not actually releasing it because there's not a true danger. Exactly. It's very interesting.
1: And I mean, and if you think about like you mentioned the indoors versus outdoors, like if you think about the background sounds of our home, it's just all of them are these low frequency sounds. Like the refrigerator running makes a sound, the air conditioning or the heater makes a sound the, like I mentioned earlier, the stove vent, all of those are these low frequency sounds, which evolutionarily speaking signals danger because it could be like the purr of a tiger in the background. Mm. And so all of that heightens our awareness. We can't really tune it out. And if we're already in this heightened state because of everything else going on, then that purr in the background is going to keep us in a heightened state. And so like you mentioned, being outside helps kind of release that as well because we're not getting just the 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 like low frequency per of all of these appliances running in the background as well,
0: yeah. well, and then we haven't even touched on yet. It, it's like some days you may be you may have a higher threshold for sensory input depending on if you're well nourished, if you've slept well, et cetera. Whereas another day, maybe you didn't sleep well that night. Maybe you haven't really been nourishing your body. Maybe you got into a fight with your spouse. So you're already in -hmm. a dysregulated point. And then when you're already dysregulated for whatever reason, then all of these um, sensory inputs can just make you that much more dysregulated and quicker than on a day where you're more like at, at baseline, you're more regulated.
1: Absolutely. There's so
0: many factors to this. What, so we know, like, I think one of the common sensory stimuli, stimulus, stimuli, um, that is really like triggering and dysregulating for parents. Like you've talked about is the noise. And I found that too. Like I've actually, I have moments where I'm in the car with my family and my husband will turn the radio up. He likes sometimes to turn it up really loud and I'll be fine with it. And then we'll be talking about something or the ki- something will happen with the kids. And I'm all of a sudden a little bit stressed because there's like an argument in the backseat or somebody's crying. And then all of a sudden, it's like something literally clicks. And that volume of the radio makes me so angry. And I'm like, I have to turn this down. Why is this so loud? It didn't bother me two seconds ago, but right now it makes me want to like jump out of a car. So what is it about noise that is so especially triggering for parents? Well, for anybody, but parents. Especially. Yeah,
1: well, but it is. That's like one of the biggest noise and touch are the two things that I hear about all the time and I experience as well. So noise is triggering because we are meant to be triggered by it. Like we meant, like I mentioned earlier with the tiger purring in the background, it is supposed to give us an understanding of what is happening around us. That's why we can hear noise is so that we can understand what's going on around us and if we need to be paying attention now what happens is that when there's too much happening at once our brains can't filter what um one thing from another and so like you're saying the the music can be fine. It can be fine. If, if there are no other demands on you, if you're just listening to the music, bopping along, everything's great. then all of a sudden there's a kid screaming in the back of the car. And so you perk up a little bit. And then there's another kid saying, I'm not poking you. I'm not poking you. That perks you up a little bit more. That increases your arousal level a little bit more. And then your husband asks you a question and it's like, Oh my gosh, no. And that's it. That's it's because that's one more thing that you Need to filter out. And so all of a sudden, the music is not important anymore. It's not a demand, but it's something that you need to filter out in order to pay attention cognitively to other things. And that is a skill. Filtering out auditory information is a skill. And when your nervous system is overwhelmed, that skill is unavailable. And so that's that's what can happen is it's the competing sounds all at once when you need to be paying attention to something. Mm,
0: Yeah. Do you know what's so interesting? I found out about myself probably a few months ago. I used to listen to podcasts on like 1.5 or double speed, depending on how fast the podcaster talked. And I realized that I was listening like throughout the day, pockets of the day where I had a little bit bit of free time, maybe when I went on a walk with the kids and they were like, you know, occupied playing or something. And I realized that listening to fast paced, Like someone talking very quickly, I feel like it like upped my sense of urgency and made me dysregulated. And then I was Mm -hmm. dysregulated after I listened to it and like for the entire day. So I stopped listening to podcasts on double speed and it improved. And like now I can listen to podcasts. Like sometimes I still have to turn them off if my kids are talking or what, obviously like you can't do, you know, three things at once. Um, but I just found even that small change helped with my regulation during the day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's that like the like, tone and the the speed yeah. of the vo- the speed of sound and the voice and I feel like this is uh, this can be applicable to so many things. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing. So I think a lot of parents also experience visual overstimulation, mm-hmm. and this is an interesting one. Like I know that I experience this. I cannot deal with clutter. Clutter stresses me out, and of course, you're going to have some clutter at times when you are a parent. And, um, I think this is one of those things, like you'll see messages on social media or whatever saying, you know, it's, it's the house being clean, isn't important. Spend time with your kids. And I'm like, yeah, but it's important for my nervous system so that I can be regulated to be with my kids. So I think there's balance there. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think
1: those messages are important sometimes, but what we need to understand is that sometimes We need the house to be clean. And there's nothing also, there's nothing wrong with needing, wanting the house to be clean so that you can be in a regulated state. And what happens with clutter, looking at it through, I mean, there's a lot of things going on with clutter, but specifically through a sensory lens, there is one, just a lot of input that our, our eyes need to take in. There's a, if if we're looking for something specific, we need to be using these visual discrimination skills to find it amidst all of this other stuff. Um, usually it's not just the clutter itself, but it's also the kids running around and throwing toys. And so there's stuff flying across your face. Um, Clutter and tactile tend to go hand in hand. If there's a lot of clutter, usually the counters are sticky and there's crumbs on the ground. And so there's that as well. And that does not lend itself to a calm nervous system. And when you are in a heightened state like that, because of everything that's going on, it is very difficult to be present with your children. And so there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking a moment to uh, clean up the toys, to clean up the counter, to put the dishes in the dishwasher, to vacuum so that you are present with your children. Like I think that's the key is what is going to help you be present with your children? Is it going to be leaving the clutter? Because sometimes it is. Or is it going to be cleaning up the clutter? And that might change depending on the day as well. Like you said, sometimes it's days when you don't sleep or when you're um, having a fight with your spouse, you're already in that heightened state. So you need to reduce the demands elsewhere. And that might be cleaning up your space so you have a fresh space so you can just kind of sit and breathe and then be present with your children.
0: Yeah. I think just in general too, having a clean space kind of just fosters like feelings of peacefulness and calmness. Whereas like yeah. having a cluttered space is just inherently like chaotic and, you know, just inherently dysregulating. So yeah, I think this is really like a matter of kind of knowing yourself and your needs and your triggers as well. Like if you're a person that isn't triggered by clutter, my husband could put something on the counter that doesn't belong on the counter and it I've done experiments and he'll <laughs> leave it there for weeks and i'll just be like one day hey are you planning like have you noticed that you left that on the counter and he's like i had no idea he'll he'll look at it walk past it every day and he will not visually process it because he just it doesn't bother him it doesn't phase him at all whereas i notice every little thing that's out of order at all times and so yeah i think it's just knowing yourself um and p- kind of prioritizing like what's what matters in those moments like When we're feeling overwhelmed, dysregulated, whether it's the noise, whether it's the visual stimuli, stimuli, whether it's whatever it is, tactile, what can we do to help ourselves get into a more regulated state?
1: So I think a key piece to understand when we talk about overstimulation, like I said, is that it's a really it's a our sensory system is like a foundational sense of safety in the in our environment and in our body and when we get dysregulated we can't it's it's essentially that our we don't know what is happening in our body or where we are we can't make sense of what the heck is going on around us and so the key then is finding your body and really bringing awareness into your body and keeping um having that sense of safety so doing something that f- that brings you that sense of safety so something that i do all of the time and i talk about it all of the time it is so simple but leaning against a wall just helps you kind of ground yourself and say like look i'm i'm home i'm in my home i'm in my living room um it gives you input into your entire body. And so it's that deep pressure input that we know is regulating. It also reduces postural demands. And so you, which means you don't have to work so hard to stand up. Um, and there's standing is like a very complicated skill. It and people don't think about it because we do it all the time, but there's so much involved in it from a postural standpoint, from a vestibular standpoint, from a tactile standpoint, Yeah, it's, it's very complicated. And if you can do something to reduce the demand there too, then again, it's, it's filtering out one, it's helping yourself so that you don't have to be working so hard and filter out a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Is this why I like to lean on the counter? Is that the same, same concept, right? Yeah. That, that input to my, to my arms and I'm like shifting my weight. I don't have to support myself. I do that all the time.
1: Yeah. I remember when I was an intern, um, that was like the one thing that all of my clinical instructors were saying, like, watch this kid and see if he puts his elbow on the desk or like, what is he doing with his hips? Is he leaning it up against the table? And that is a for in, in terms of kids, it helps you understand like how hard they need to be working. Um, but then for us, it's also a good reminder that like, that's a support that we can use. And we because because we're not in therapy, we're not in occupational therapy right now. We don't need to be pushing ourselves very as hard as we can. We're not trying to get to that just right challenge. We're trying to reduce the demands. So what can we do to reduce it? And leaning against the wall or against the counter can be really helpful. The wall also helps reduce auditory and visual stimuli because from behind, there's nothing. There's just a wall. So there's not noise coming from behind you. There's not vision or visual stuff coming from behind you. So you are only, now you're only having to pay attention to half of the input,
0: mm-hmm. which can be
1: very helpful and powerful as
0: well. Yeah, totally. What are some other good strategies, um, for when you're feeling overwhelmed? Like in so the moment,
1: In the- <laughs> I, one of my, another top favorite is chewy and crunchy snacks. Um, because what that does one, you're probably hungry to be honest. Um, but, (laughs) but another, but from a sensory perspective is chewy and crunchy snacks give input into your, your teeth and your jaw and all of the musculature and all the ligaments in there. And it it's deep pressure into those joints. And what that does is it releases serotonin. That is a general regulator that helps you get down from an overstimulated state and up from an understimulated state. So it can work when you are overwhelmed by noise. It can be, it can work when you are sluggish and you can't really get yourself up. It can work when you don't know what is going on, but you know, you need something. Just go grab the dried mango or go have a bagel, something that is chewy can help you get to the state that you need to be at least enough so that then you can think a little clearer and think like, okay, now I kind of found my body a little bit better. Now, what do I need next? And so it's kind of, it's a great first step. um And water out of a straw too can be really helpful. Ice water is really good and alerting and it kind of brings like wakes you back up. It's like, oh, here I am. Um, but that does the same thing. The strata is the same thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, there's such a, such a good like connection here, I think between strategies we can use in, as, as an adult, but then also things that I talk about a lot with kids, like to, mm-hmm. to help them regulate, um, before bed, especially, or if you're trying to wean them and, you know, here's some different activities you can add in. I talk about proprioceptive input a lot and heavy work doing a lot of heavy work and proprioceptive stuff at night before bed and this is like the same kind of concept so basically sure. the moral of the story is all of those little activities and strategies that you're trying to get your child to do to help themselves calm go do it with them go play with them go like you know do some rough and tumble play get on the floor and crawl um chew those crunchy foods with them yeah i think like parents also need those that kind of input in those activities Yes.
1: And there's something so powerful about doing a sensory strategy in relationship. And so when you are, like you said, doing and engaging in rough and tumble play, crawling all over the cushions, if you take the cushions off the couch and crawl on them and wrestle and all of that like playful motor-based play can bring you both into a regulated state and then you're in relationship with another, which is also regulating. And that's where really like deep connection can come. And it makes it infinitely more regulating than if both of you were doing it individually. And so absolutely. And we, we think all the time, especially when kids have, or when parents have children in OT, it's like, Oh, I got to get my kid sensory diet and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. But when we're doing it in relationship with them, then we're hitting a million things at once. It's double dipping. And, and that also can be really powerful. So I absolutely, yeah, we need to, we need to be giving ourselves the same grace and love and kindness that we are giving our children.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it can be really hard as a parent a busy parent to even set aside a few minutes a day for this kind of thing for play. I think a lot of parents aren't even really playing with their kids. I'm one of them. Like I have days where I think back on the day and I'm like, I don't think I played at all with my kids. And I was Mm -hmm. home with them all day. There's just so much that needs to be done. And I, I have started finding pockets of the day, like once in the morning, once in the evening, um, or whenever we have time to set aside like five or 10 minutes to play with my kids, to do some sort of like roughhousing. Um, there's lots of different activities that we do, but, and it sounds ridiculous saying it that I need to like schedule this time with my kids. But I think a lot of us actually do because we need to be intentional about it and, and get it done and set aside that time. Like we do, you know, everything else.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. And I think so many parents will say like, oh, I don't like to play with my kids. And a lot of that ha- And One, no judgment, not everybody like play is a child's occupation. It's yeah. not necessarily a parent, but often when we think about play, it tends to be like imaginative play, which is great. And that's an important thing for children to be doing, but it's really hard for parents to get into, especially if we have a million other things going on in our mental, in our mental to-do list. And so if we can shift our understanding of play to that, like rough motor-based connection, That is true regulating play for the both of you. It doesn't necessarily mean sitting at a table and having a tea party when your kid is like, oh, no, mom, not like that. No, mom, not like that. No. Which I mean, yes, that's developmentally appropriate. They also need that control. And, you know, that has its own benefits for sure. But that's not the only way to play with your children. And increasing that uh, understanding of play it's very powerful. And yeah, sometimes Mm -hmm. we do need to schedule it in and that's, there's no, nothing wrong with that. We need to schedule in going to the gym. We need to make sure we eat.
0: Why, why would we feel bad about scheduling that in as well? Yeah. I love that. I love that point. And I will say, I, really dislike playing. I, it's very difficult. Like you were just talking about, it's very difficult for me to get into playful mode. I do think the gross motor, the big like movement type play is a lot easier for me. And I, you mentioned about, um, like the imaginary imaginative play and how our kids like to control us. And that can also be very triggering for parents. Like that is very true. I'm like, stop tossing me around. I don't like when people tell me what to do. And um, what I have found is shifting that. So I don't do a lot of imagination type, imaginative type play with my um kids anymore. Sometimes I will, but it's like very short-lived. But Offering them a way to kind of have that control and power in the movement-based play, I have found works better for Mm. me. Like letting them be stronger than me, letting them beat me in a race, letting them push me down, Like right? Like you you sit down and they like run into you and try to push you over because they get the same sort of like this sense of power and control, but it's they're not bossing you around. (laughs) They're not telling you what to do. They're using their strength and their bodies um, in this safe, Play scenario to kind of overcome you, and they need that. Like that's really good for their development to be able to play in that way. And that also, when you do play like that, it can help reduce some difficult behaviors because a lot of times parents will get into power struggles with their children when it comes to you know them having to do anything, them having to go brush their teeth. It's bedtime. It's whatever. When you give them the opportunities to have some control and power in the play, it oftentimes will reduce those struggles.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. I I love everything
1: you just said that's it's so true it's so true and I mean there's so many benefits of it but it also when you guys are reading each other's facial cues too and like and that is a huge piece of it as well it's that really reciprocal um it's social all of that social development comes in that as well and then and they are learning how to be in control in a playful way instead of a bossy way as well
0: yeah we need to just do a whole nother episode on play because about play
1: for it we
0: need to do that <laughs> um okay so what is there anything that oh I was gonna ask you about earplugs so that's one thing that I will use I have these loop um mm-hmm. earplugs I think that's the most like the brand that I know about I'm not sure if there are any other brands I'm sure there are but there are these soft earplugs and Um, I will put those in during the day when I'm feeling overstimulated, but I also wear them at night because I'm just a really light sleeper and I'll hear like my husband walking on the other side of the house. So that helps reduce um, just waking up at night due to noise that I don't need to be attending to. But like I can still hear my kids if they need me. I can still hear major noises. And even during the day, like you can hear your kids talk to you, but it just – lessens the intensity of the auditory stimulation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that really helpful. I'm wondering if you have any experience using, using like uh, earplugs like that.
1: Yes. I also have um, a couple pairs of loops um, and I, I really like them. I think that the, it's not a concern, but a question that I would ask is, is that your to a, pa- to a parent using them consistently is, is that your only strategy? And if so, how else can we support you? Because for a couple reasons, one, like you deserve more than earplugs. You deserve to be taken care of at a deeper, more holistic level than just throwing in earplugs and hoping for the best. And we know that reducing input or eliminating input can actually over time can actually make you more sensitive to input. And so yes, absolutely. Use the earplugs at bath time or at dinner time when you're cooking and like use them. There are tools that are available to you. I use them too, but they're not the only thing out there. If, um, supporting yourself from a more holistic level, really getting yourself into a more regulated state, like through play or through movement, through deep pressure, um, all of those can help you so that you can handle the noise better and you aren't depending on them at every moment. And so that's really what I, those are my thoughts on earplugs uh, is that they're a tool to use for sure, but it's not the only tool and you deserve more than that.
0: Yeah. It's that makes sense. It's a, it's a compensatory strategy basically. So are there any ways that we can, um, be able to tolerate more stimuli that it wouldn't feel so intense to us and that we can just in general, just like reduce the overstimulation that we feel like, how do we prevent it? How do we, how do we allow ourselves to be in a more regulated state and reduce the kind of episodes of overstimulation we have?
1: So that, um, That comes from what I, it's what I call your sensory armor, um, which I mean, for PEDS, OTs, that's like your sensory diet. And so that's how do we set ourselves up strategically throughout the day so that we can handle all of the demands coming on us. One is sleep. That's a huge one. You need to have good quality sleep. We know that poor sleep is associated with higher pain, um, with a lower pain threshold, with sensory sensitivities, all of that. So you just are going to be more sensitive to noise and touch and pain when you haven't slept well. So if you have a child who's not sleeping well, you can just understand, like, it makes sense that I'm like this today. If your child is sleeping through the night, then you can focus really on, on your, your own sleep. Um, Another thing is paying attention to the times of the day that are really overwhelming. So like, I keep mentioning that it's that four to seven um, kids are home from school. They're hungry. They're cranky. You need to get dinner ready. That is a very dysregulating time of the day. And knowing that you can support yourself at three o'clock. And that's when you, like you said, schedule in play schedule in those times to make sure that you are moving your body, make sure that you are nourishing yourself with food. Um, and Or, or maybe it's just stepping outside for a few minutes and taking a deep breath and looking and listening to the birds, tuning into some good sound, Um, anything like that to settle, get you into a more regulated state, bring that overwhelmed nervous system back to neutral so that you, you aren't entering the four to seven chaos at a 70 or 80 out of a hundred you're entering at like maybe a 30 or a 40. So then when something, something does happen, you're not jumping all the way up to fight flight. You can you're just shifting up a little bit and then you can come back down.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, Larissa, this has been so helpful and so informative. Can you tell listeners where they can find you if they want to learn more from you and if you have any resources available?
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram at steady parents, and I do have a, an online program called sensing your needs in parenthood. And it is all about this and more so all about, um, really how to create a good sensory armor. And then as, um, all of your in the moment strategies, there's a whole sensory self-care library of strategies. And we have, I have this SOS vault, which is, um, A space where you can go into and pop in your headphones. And it's me talking you through the overstimulation. So if you're over, if you're touched out, then you pop in your headphones and it's me helping guide you through it and help you ride that wave. So you can come back down. Um, And we actually just made it available on a private podcast feed. So, so to make it help it be more accessible to you in the moment, so you can just open up your podcast app. You don't need to go in and find the browser and the Uh, password and everything like that. So that um, has been really helpful. Parents are really excited about that. Um, And other than that, I'm on Instagram and you can send me a DM um, and make sure you follow me because I share all of these tools and more. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Larissa. Yeah. Thank you for having me.